So welcome to the Touchdown Rundown on Calling Guys. Welcome back to the Deep Dive. So for those of you who are new to the show or haven't listened to us in a little bit, the Deep Dives are where we go and break down the NFL one division at a time. So we look with a microscopic lens at, the, at each of the four teams in each division. We go over free agency, we go over the draft, we go over trades, and we try to give you our best assessment about each team and how they stand. And then we kind of, at the end of each segment, we give you our win-loss projection. And so last week we looked at the AFC East, and despite how high we were on the Dolphins, like when we were talking, we were kind of talking about how the Dolphins could be a solid wildcard contender. But we actually weren't, we, we did end up having them behind the Patriots and the Bills, despite both of us being very low on the Patriots because of the poor offseason they had. So go go listen to that. I consider these episodes to be kind of evergreen, if you will, until the actual season starts or there's some sort of big division-changing transaction. But as of now, there's nothing, so go listen to that. It's still as good as ever. Uh, but for now, we move on to the AFC South. We we normally would do AFC East, AFC North, AFC South, AFC West, but of course there's some stuff going on in the AFC North involving Deshaun Watson, which funnily enough is the reason we skipped the AFC South last year. So we've decided to skip the AFC North this year, wait for that to pan out, and so that means we're moving to the AFC South, where it's it's an interesting division because there are two teams who I feel like very strongly can win this division. And then there are two teams who I don't expect to win this division, but I expect to have like maybe some moral victories more uh, than anything else. Tony, do you want to launch off your quick predictive order? Um, predictive order for this division, I think I'm going to go with Colts, Titans, Texans, Jags. Uh, I figured you would because you're not a bit of a Trevor Lawrence fan, as we'll get into in a little bit. I currently am going Colts, Titans, Jags, Texans. So maybe not that different, but I... Looking at the rosters of the the Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, I actually think Jacksonville is going to have the slightly better season this year because of the better the better cast of characters that they have in their team. Yeah, I I do think that uh, those teams, you know, the, either one could flip flop. Uh, one could come out over the other. I really don't know. Frankly, I really don't care because they're going to be third and fourth. It's just a matter of who's who. I just know that last year, for any of our veteran viewers, know that. <laughs> Tom and I had a bit of a disagreement on who was going to win the division last year. I was big on the Titans. I actually had them potentially winning the Super Bowl at one point, and Tom had taken the Colts. This year, we're a little bit more in line, a little bit more uh, in tune that the Titans are going to come out second this year. Yeah, I remember our analysis last year was when, of course, this was when the Julio Jones trade was going on, and we didn't know where he was going to land, and then news came out, okay, it's down to these two teams in the AFC South. My analysis was, if the Colts get them, it's basically a lock that the Colts are going to win that division, and if the Titans get them, I still feel like the Colts are going to have this slighter edge, because I like their defense, and I thought Carson Wentz would be able to improve their offense enough to the point that they should be in contention for the division. And there were times in last season where the Colts were in contention for the division, but obviously the Titans ended up with the number one seed in the AFC. So, you know, they obviously took the division and Tony got that one. He did have them winning the Super Bowl in a really good column he wrote um, back when we both did some time at Canup Sports. But then, of course, Derrick Henry got injured, and the the wheels kind of fell off of that one. And the wheels have continued to stay off as we as we start our Titans. Do you want to do... The, the quick facts, Tony? The fast, Tom's yeah. fast facts? Yeah, let's do Tom's fast facts first. All right, so let's start with salary cap. So currently they have $11.87 million in cap space with a dead cap hit of $14.30 million. So that's quite a decent amount 
in terms of dead cap. Their cap health, Tony, we said cap health is the stat that Pat Kerwin uh, talks about in his book, Take Your Eyes Off the Ball. Cap health is the t- do the top three of your salaried players equal more or less than 30% of your salary cap? If they're over, that's bad. You don't want to be over 30% with your top three players because it means there's not going to be enough around the rest of the team. If you're below that 30% threshold, you're good. That means you probably should have enough for the rest of your team. The Titans are at 35%, so they are the first team that does not have a quote-unquote healthy cap. And so if you add that with their dead cap of $14 million, you know that is signaling that there should be a significant problem with the Titans and how they're going to construct their, their roster. And as we get into the draft segment, that'll explain it. But that's not being a fast fact. It'll be a fast fact when I don't have to explain what cap health is. Okay, so as for evaluation, so the Power Football Index currently has them ranked 17th. That's ESPN's metric. They're... Total DVOA was 20th at negative 3%, so below average. Their lineups ranking were 7th in offense, 6th in defense. Uh, their finish was the AFC divisional game. They obviously lost to the Bengals in, in a close game. Their Zelo projected rank this year is 24th. Their Zelo projected record is 7.7 and 9.3. Mel's draft grade was a B. They had the positions of uh, needs of offensive line, wide receiver, quarterback. We'll see if they hit those. And then to close with the coaching section, the head coach is Mike Vrabel heading into his fifth season. He's done a really good job. And then they have two they have two coordinators who are both in their second season, Todd Downing on the offensive side of the ball and Shane Bowen on the defensive side of the ball. And so that's, that's Tom's fast facts. Is there anything in the fast facts that jumped out at you and kind of surprised you, Tony? Surprised me? I think... Um... I think their Zelo rank surprised me just a little bit. I, that is that's lower than I thought that they would be. Yeah, it is. I was I, I am very surprised on how low Zelo is, and I think it's really one. Derek Henry is is be being projected to take a huge step backwards this year, and we can get into that a little bit by ESPN because of the fact that he's kind of injured, and now we're starting to see that injury really. You know, it took him out for the back half of that Titans season, and it's it, it impacted him dramatically against the Bengals. That plus the fact that Ryan Tannehill is nearly a forty million dollar quarterback, like there's just not there's not a lot of money to go around. So I did go into that cap health. Here are the three players that are are listed for the cap health stat. There's Ryan Tannehill with a guaranteed salary of twenty nine million and a cap number of thirty eight point six. Bud Dupree with a cap number of 19.2 and a guaranteed of 16 million, and then Derek Henry with a cap number of 15 million and zero dollars in guaranteed salary. And then of course they have they have their dead hits, which add up to 14 million. And so Julio Jones, Janoris Jenkins, Rod- Roger Saffold, and Jalen Brown or Jayon Brown, excuse me, a little bit too much NBA action. <laughs> um, Jayon Brown, those are those top four guys can make up most of that 14 million of the dead cap. So they just they have a lot of people who they've either cut or traded and it's really, it's added up. So they really, you know, they are legitimately looking at probably playing with, with maybe only 50% of their salary cap to spread to the rest of the team. 40, uh, 55% maybe. Yeah. They, they really are in a little bit of a concerning spot. I don't think it's going to affect them too terribly much this year, but in the very, very new near future, we could see a, a little bit of a concerning spot for the Titans. Yeah, so let's let's go into the draft first because I think to kind of see what the Titans are trying to do 
because of the, because of how bad their cap situation is, for me the draft is the best place to start because it's it's it feels like a very unique draft in that the Titans were almost trying to win now but also build for the future. So they traded AJ Brown away for trade capital from the uh, to the Eagles. They got some good picks back, and they grabbed a, a young wide receiver in Traylon Burks, who Mel uh, Mel Kiper comped to actually being basically a younger, cheaper AJ Brown. Um, I think the Titans are really going to miss AJ Brown, and I think that I don't know if they're going to regret that trade. I think I feel like they almost had to because that way they can kind of spread some cap love around. So you know they really just did get kind of. You know they're pigeonholed into making a decision maybe they wouldn't want to because of Ryan Tannehill's cap number. Yeah, it was. Uh, I that was a move that I did not agree with. I think that last year the big story was you know oh Julio Jones is coming to the Titans, and I personally thought you know this is going to be an unstoppable offense. You have Julio Jones, AJ mm-hmm. Brown, Derrick Henry. Like you have all these amazing pieces. Julio Jones didn't really pan out. He got hurt. A.J. Brown missed a little bit of time last season, so he has a little bit of injury concern. But when he was healthy, he put up pretty good numbers. And I really think he, with how young he is, he's just starting to get into it. He's just starting to get a rhythm. He was trying to figure out uh, that, you know, this is really his team. He was learning the offense well. Like, everything was looking good for him to stay there, and they were forced to give him up. I really didn't like the move. And I'm also kind of skewed because I know Tom really likes to draft. Tom loves when they you know, like all the the players and how they're drafted and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 very out on the draft. I don't care about the draft. As far as I'm concerned, every player that is drafted, whether it be number one or dead last, they all have zero credit in my mind. I don't really care about any of them until they do something in the NFL, just because I believe college and NFL is so different. So, as far as I'm concerned with the draft, sure, maybe they got some guys that are allegedly good, but I want to see them prove it before I say anything. And I would rather take A.J. Brown, who I know is good, I'd say even great right now, as opposed to potentially drafting somebody who could pretty much at best be A.J. Brown if they pan out right. Yeah, so normally I, I don't want to say that I love the draft. I'm with Tony in that like I love... I, if I had to fill a position, I probably would want to do it through free agency just because of the quantified knowns. But I love I love the draft and how it allows you to build for the future because it does, I do think, you know, help teams in, in it's very I I don't want to say I love the process because it feels just so absolutely random, but I do enjoy watching the process and then making making analysis and predictions about it. But yeah, I'm with you. Like, look, if you have a bona fide superstar or maybe at the, at the very least a star wide receiver, I don't want to trade him away to then get a cheaper star. But I think it was, I think it was a cap casualty. That's honestly my analysis here is that, you know, it's a cap casualty. And I feel like we're going to see some, you know, we're going to see those moves as long as Ryan Tannehill is on the books for $40 million. Yeah, that's going to be a little bit, because I'm kind of a Tannehill fan, just a little bit. I think he was better two seasons ago than he was last year. But I do think that he puts up some decent numbers. I just don't know if they're $40 million decent numbers. Yeah, I mean, he. I feel like he comes from almost the Garoppolo ilk of you win with him, not because of him. And sometimes you win almost in spite of him. And so I think that, look, I think it was an overpay. They obviously, they paid him because they had that run to the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs a few years back when the Chiefs would go on to win their Super Bowl. And I think it was, I don't want to say the wrong move uh, because I think they needed to pay him, but I think that he was probably, you know, very obviously overpaid. I, I think, I think most people would agree with that. Yeah, no, it was definitely a bit of an interesting move. Uh, 2020, his stats 
He had 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions for 3,800 yards and 106.5 passer rating. That's the Ryan Tannehill that I really enjoyed watching. I thought he actually, uh, he was kind of like Kirk Cousins back then. I thought he got a lot of disrespect and uh, a lot of slander in the media for reasons that he didn't really deserve. He was playing well. And then this past year, he threw 21 touchdowns, which is his lowest since uh, 2018, and 14 interceptions. He doubled his, doubled his interceptions from 2020. The last time he threw more than 12 was 2013. So it was really a drop-off year for him, and we're just going to kind of have to see what he's able to do moving forward. Uh, but I think with the, the loss of you know Julio didn't really matter last year anyways, and then A.J. Brown being gone, we could see him potentially be even worse this year. Yeah, no, I think he's going down. I think that he needs the situation around him to be really good. And I think that because they've now, they don't have Julio Jones, not that he was incredibly impactful because I think, you know, with a combination of injuries, you know, not being the primary target on the team, I don't think he was as useful as we anticipated him being. But with A.J. Brown missing and a potentially limited Derrick Henry, I think that that is going to be, uh, you know, is, we're going to see that offense take a huge step back. Now, I do like that they got Robert Woods. I think that that helps. Um, you know, but if you had Robert Woods and AJ Brown, which, you know, you can't, cause like we said, cause the cap, I don't think, I don't think those two numbers work together, but if you had Robert Woods and AJ Brown, you'd be really good. But I think Robert Woods by himself with, with some rookie wide receivers is less desirable. Now I do like Austin Hooper. He signed with the Titans, I believe recently. He actually had the highest, uh, blocking grade for a tight end while he was on the Browns, which I think is very obviously kind of like, okay, we're going to start, we're going to start using a lot of, of 12 and 22 and we're going to flex, we're going to flex him out. We're going to flex Hooper out and have him start blocking to help Henry. So I think that that was, you know, kind of very obvious what they're trying to do there. Yeah, that was definitely a good addition. I am a pretty big Austin Hooper fan and they're really, they need to do whatever they can to protect Derrick Henry. I honestly think that it's going to kind of happen again this year. Uh, that he's going to be a little bit overused. He's not going to be 100%. He's going to get worn out, and he's probably going to get re-injured just because at this point in his career with how many of these use injuries he's had, it's getting more and more likely every time that it's going to happen again. So I I personally don't believe in Derrick Henry. I, I Last year, even when he was healthy, this is a big thing that Tom and I went over. I never thought he was the best running back in the league last year. Uh, either I thought it was just volume and I think it's going to be more of the same this year where he's going to look tremendous due to volume in the first six seven games then he's going to fall off and get hurt again yeah so I mean to Bill Barnwell of ESPN wrote about this a few weeks ago and I remember the article so there's a, a stat of rushing yards over expected per attempt and in the past two years in 2019 and 2020 Derrick Henry had one of the best, had some of the best numbers in the league. So that was a 1.1, and in those two years, and it dropped to 0.1. So a huge down increase. They had a he had a first down percentage that dropped from 24.4 percent and 25.9 percent to 22.3. And you know, it's just his first down uh, overexpected. He had 11 contributed and 10 contributed, and then it dropped to negative four. So he's actually costing them first downs. And his success rate on a, on a given run to converting a first down dropped to 37% from 45%. So Derek Henry is just, I think that we have, we have seen the impact of having two, back-to-back 300, nearly 400 in 2020 carry seasons, and then a 200 carry season despite missing half of 2021. So I think we're going to see his injury is going to have cost him his explosiveness. And I don't want to say that he'll be bad. I think he can certainly be good, 
But I think if you had to pick, you know, he's probably going to look a little bit more like the 2021 Derrick Henry, which is less impressive than he will the 2019 Derrick Henry, where he really had a breakout year, or the 2020 Derrick Henry. So I think that that is a huge concerning problem for the Titans because he really is the catalyst of your offense, and you need to strengthen, you know, your best offensive weapon. Yeah, I think this is this is. I'm not going to say it's the end for Derrick Henry, but the beginning. It's beginning, yeah, the beginning of the end, I believe. Yeah, and you know the part of the problem is too is that the Titans don't have a particularly good uh, rushing attack off uh, as far as the offensive line goes. Now, granted, they did draft a tackle out of Ohio State, but they lost Saffold and Keisenberry to the Bills, and they were both over thirty. You know, but they played a high percentage of the team's snaps at the guard positions, and so I'm worried about their offensive line. They had a 69% uh, win block, which is in ESPN stat, which, you know, that sounds really good compared to like a pass block win rate, but that's actually 24th in the NFL. And then obviously, because Derrick Henry is old, I think he's going to need to take a step back from the workload combined, you know, with a bad offensive line that I don't see improving dramatically and an aging Derrick Henry. I'm just wondering what this team has to offer offensively. Now, I do think uh, Hassan Haskins, he's the running back out of Michigan, was a good pickup for the Titans that is going to be very needed, especially because uh, they lost Deontay Foreman to the Panthers, I think. So they just, they really, they're going to lean heavily on Henry, who is going to be leaning heavily on Haskins, I think. Yeah, I don't think it's a recipe for success necessarily. No, and I think that's why, you know, it's kind of fair to say that you anticipate the Titans maybe being second, but not being that great. Like, you know, I think people will probably be comfortable projecting the Titans to have a losing record more than a winning record. Or maybe that maybe that's just me projecting, but I think that the Titans are going to have a poorer record than a better record. That might be a little bit of a hot take. I think it'll be close. I don't I definitely don't think they're gonna beat the Colts. Um But I think that they, they they'll probably swing Nine and eight, it'll be close. I don't think it'll be like des- definitely negative by a wide margin, but it, it's. I don't think they're going to get a ten win season. Yeah, I mean, I think nine wins is is fairly generous. I feel like the Titans are going back to that. You know, when they they went eight and eight for a couple seasons in a row. I feel like they're going to be, you know, they're going to be nine and eight or eight and nine. I don't I don't feel particularly great about them. Yeah. All right, so why don't we look at the Titans' defense? Uh, so I do worry about the loss of Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans, and they, they both played 40% of the team's defensive snaps each, and the Titans kind of failed to replace them via the draft or free agency. But they did. They still have Bud Dupree, Landry III, Kevin Byard, Amani Hooker, and Jeffrey Simmons, and second-year Caleb Farley, who I believe spent a decent chunk of the season injured, So, but I, I still like him to improve. Um, and then they drafted Roger McCreary, the second-round cornerback who played at Auburn. So I don't think he's going to make an immediate impact, but he's going to strengthen and, de- and deepen the secondary. Um, so I think this unit is going to be good, but they may have been top 10 by lineups, but I actually think they'll be outside of the top 10. They were number six by lineups uh, last year. Their only real hole that they had that they were not very good in was the passing game with their defensive backs, like you said. And I'm normally I'm pretty harsh when you have you know a very red spot in lineups. That's how they color code all their stats and everything. So I actually looked into this one a little bit deeper, and I just kind of looked at who do they have, who have they brought in, who have they let go, and it actually looks like you know Kevin Byard, obviously their best DB. I think we can all agree with that. Yeah. But the other guys that they have behind are Christian Fulton, Amani Hooker, and Caleb Farley. Uh, all three of those guys are very, very young, like four or five years in experience in the league or less. 
Yeah, so, a lot less if if yeah. with McCreary and Farley. Yep. So I'm not really concerned with the group as a whole. I think that they are looking better as they mature so far. They're on kind of a good uh, upswing in how they have improved over their years. And I do think that as they gain experience, they're going to continue to look better. So I would like to see another full year, maybe two, before I get too harsh on them. So I'm not really concerned about it this year. And I do think that they could they could step it up a little bit. As for the rest of the team, I think that they're pretty solid. They've lost, they lost some guys. They brought in some guys. So I think that they might be marginally worse this year. I think hovering right around top 10, maybe just outside, like Tom was talking about, is definitely not a bad prediction for them. But I could again see them being as high as, you know, maybe top seven. Yeah. I, I, I think top 10 is probably their ceiling. I think that I do think that they're going to. I, I honestly don't know. I think if they if they stay the same, it's probably a victory. I don't think they're improving dramatically just because of the youth in their secondary, but I think that they'll be a good defense. And let's be honest, like at this point, it's probably what the Titans are going to have to hang their hats on is their defense because of just how poor I think their offense is going to do. Yeah, I definitely agree. Their offense is not going to be the thing that gets it done for them. Yeah, no, not this year. Not with Tannehill. I do think, so do we, how do you feel about Malik Willis? Because... That's that's a big question, right? He was drafted, I believe, in the third round, maybe the fourth round by the Titans, and I don't know if he's going to play this year because that's that's a question with a lot of the t- of the quarterbacks who got drafted this year. Is like, when are they going to play? When are they going to start? Because the large majority of them are behind the clear cut starter for right now. So, what do you think of Malik Willis? Where do you think he's going to? When do you think he's going to start? If he does start at all this season. I think it really depends on what Tannehill does. If we see another year where Tannehill is kind of going like, you know, maybe one-to-one touchdown interception ratio, an okay, not great uh, completion percentage, decent amount of yards. Mm-hmm. Like, if he's just kind of there, but he's nothing, you know, particularly special, I think they could throw him in every now and then, get him some reps, but I don't think he's going to be like the full-time starter at any point this year, honestly. Do you expect, yeah, so you don't expect to see him? In a, in a large amount of action? I expect to see him for, at most, maybe a half here or there if it's like a blowout loss or win. Uh, but and in terms of like the coach coming out saying, yeah, Malik is going to be our starter this week 100%, Tannehill's going to be on the bench, I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think that happening at any point this year unless they have like, unless they're crazy good that we don't expect and have like a throwaway week at the end. I don't really see it happening. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that there's just too much money invested in Ryan Tannehill at the moment to to really justify even putting Malik in until next season at the earliest. So he Tannehill went from having an eleven million dollar cap hit in twenty twenty one to as we've we've mentioned a few times on the program, thirty eight point six million. That's near Tannehill alone is nearly twenty percent of the Titans salary cap. So I think I think he's just too expensive. There's too much value placed in him for him to fail. And that if he's going to, if he's going to be put behind Malik Willis, it's going to be next year when I would imagine he'll probably be cut if they feel good about Willis because his cap, his, his cap hit saving will be nearly $27 million and he will have a dead money of 9.6 million, but it's probably better than paying his cap hit of 36 million. If you believe in Willis. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that there is a very real potential that Tannehill could be cut next year and Malik could step in as a starter. But, I mean, Tom and I have both have both kind of said that, you know, while while all of the hype is one thing, you don't actually know how any guy's going to be after they've been drafted. 
And I do think that NFL execs are the exact same way. They can only know so much. They can only project so much. They can only like somebody so much. But at the end of the day, you have no idea how that guy's going to be until you put him in a game. So if Ryan Tannehill does get completely cut, it's it's going to be because they're extremely, extremely in on Malik Willis. And I don't know if that happens in just one year. It may not happen just in one year, but what could happen is if the Titans, like we're predicting, have a very bad offense and the Titans are 500 or something or below 500 and they need a spark to save their season, maybe Malik comes in for a couple of series and he, you know, he could potentially win the job. I just think if the Titans, like we're saying, finish below 500, I think that that Tannehill is going to get cut because it's very obvious that he is one of the biggest problems offensively and one of the most expensive pieces offensively. So the very, okay, addition by subtraction, we're going to get rid of you and have thirty million, nearly $30 million to play with um, in free agency. Yeah, that's the only real reason I could see him doing much of anything anytime soon. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't think you want, I don't think you want to put all, put your franchise and your franchise's you know, Super Bowl, not, not Super Bowl window, but contending window onto a second year player. But it's because the alternative is to be saddled with a huge, huge number, a huge liability. Right. All right. So let's move on to the schedule portion. So they'll open up against the New York Giants as bad as we have the Titans being. Do we think they're going to lose to the Giants? Nope. Okay, so yeah, we don't think they're going to lose to the Giants. I didn't think so either. Um, okay, we have them losing in Week 2 to Buffalo. That was in our in our most previous episode. How do we feel about them against the Raiders? Against the Raiders? That's a tough one, actually. Um, is it taggable? I do think it's taggable. I think it's very taggable. Be tag-worthy. All right, let's let's place one here to start. I think that we might this might be one we come back and change if we really like Las Vegas when we do them next week because that that is the tentative plan for now. At Indianapolis, we have them losing. Yes. Yes. At Washington. At Washington. Ooh, that's tough. I think I'm going to have them beating Washington. Interesting. Do those two teams? Do those? Does Washington and Tennessee at the moment feel like very similar teams? A little bit. They do feel like very similar teams. I think Washington's going to be weird just because that defense could be so great or so bad, and we don't know which we're going to get. Yeah, but they also have a giant question mark slash problem with quarterback. Okay, so they have their bye in week six, and they're they're home to Indiana, or the Colts, I should say. Are are we going to tag it, or are we going to say it's a loss? I think I think we split. Uh, what was tag it? I guess yeah, we could tag it. Okay, awesome. Okay, at Houston. Win. Yeah, I I figured as much. Okay, at KC. Loss. Yeah, I didn't think I didn't think that that was going to be uh, a win for for a Tennessee team we're so out on. <laughs> this one will be funny because it'll make you pick between the team that you don't like and a team that you are low on right now. It's Denver. This is another kind of tough one cuz I am personally not in on Denver like everybody else seems to be. I think they're going to have improved, but are they going to have improved enough to overtake the Titans? I think so. That feels like a, a huge yes. I think I'd be comfortable saying, yeah, we'll, we'll give Denver the win on this one. Okay, at Green Bay, I know wow. how strongly you feel about, yep, I didn't, I, I shouldn't have even asked. I should have just said they play Green Bay. I could have said they play Green, Cincinnati. Yep. Um, Tag? Yeah, we can, we can roll with a tag to start. Philadelphia? On the road, I had them losing. They lost here. Does AJ Brown go off? 
AJ I mean, Brown goes off and punishes them. I I could see it. I would I would love to see that because I personally am kind of in on the Eagles. I am too, but we'll get to them in a second. Well, not a second. We'll get to them in a long time. Um, uh, Jacksonville win. Yeah, I thought so. I I am. We're gonna we're gonna spend a long time on Jacksonville. Um, disagreeing about how they're going to do because I I kind of like Jacksonville surprisingly the Chargers are a loss I'm assuming yep that's a loss Houston home to Houston should be a win that should be a win home to Dallas is a loss loss and then on the road at Jacksonville I think you're going to want this to be a loss but I think it's going to be a win ah uh, yeah I I don't want this to be a loss kind of so I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna make the executive decision to to insert a tag. Yeah, that's our fourth tag too. That works. It's perfect. Yeah, you gotta. We want to use all the tags as much as we can. There you go. So, what does that put their record at? That puts us at one, two, three, four, five wins. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven losses and four tags. Yikes! So not great. so. We have them at seven. We have them at seven and ten. Yeah. So that's not great. That's kind of what I was thinking. I, I honestly thought that that'd be that I originally thought. I thought they'd be a little bit closer to five hundred. I didn't think they'd be far over five hundred or far under, but pretty close. Yeah, I mean, I don't dislike any of the. I I almost don't even feel great about the games we tagged in favor of the Titans. I honestly think that they could lose to Las Vegas, the tag game against Indiana, Cincinnati, and you know, give them Jacksonville. I think like in the tag games, they're probably one in three. My big question mark is what what is Cincy going to do? Yeah, no that is a big question. I I honestly I just feel like 7 and 10 is probably kind of a generous projection for Tennessee. I don't know. 7 and 10 is a pretty poor record and this is this is this is a team that is not that bad. I I I know they're not bad, but they aren't cap healthy, so I feel like they're so top heavy and the top in Tannehill isn't even great. Yeah, it's definitely going to depend on what he does, what the rest of the team is able to, what the rest of the team is able to do, and then you have a couple question mark games in there, like we already talked about Cincy, we have the Raiders, who I don't, I never know what the Raiders are going to do, I can never predict them well. Well, it's early in the season, so naturally they'll be really good until they inevitably fall off halfway through. Yeah, I was going to say, they're probably going to be 5-0 and and end up being like 7-10. and They'll be five and zero and finish nine and seven and make the playoffs. Or yeah, nine and eight, nine and eight. We'll see. I don't. I'm comfortable keeping it as a tag for the Raiders, but I could definitely see the Titans losing that game. Yeah. All right. Stay tuned next week to when we have no idea how to handle the Raiders, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Let's move on to yep. the Colts. So time for Tom's Fast Facts. So Mel's draft grade for the Colts is a B. Their pro football index, which is an ESPN metric, has them at 8. Their strength of schedule is 26th. Their positional needs were wide receiver, offensive line, and defensive back. Their cap space is currently $10.7 million. Their dead cap hit is 6.8. Their cap health is 23%, incredibly healthy. Their lineups ranking is 27th on offense last year and 9th on defense. Their total DVOA was 9.8%. That is good for 11th by that metric. They missed the playoffs because they lost to Jacksonville on the road when all they needed to do was beat Jacksonville on the road. And Jacksonville somehow found a way to just make everyone scratch their heads 
defense. And Carson Wentz played so poorly. He had three interceptions that he actually was traded away because of that game. Their Zelo current record is 20th, and their projected record is 8.1 and 8.9. Frank Reich is entering his fifth year as a head coach, and offensive coordinator Marcus Bradley is joining him, uh, Brady. But Gus Bradley, see, Brady and Bradley, that one's... That one's, can we not do that? Um, okay, defensive coordinator, first year. Yeah, so I know Tony really likes Carson Wentz, or maybe not really likes, but liked him a decent bit and wanted to give him maybe another year with the Colts, but the Colts disagreed, and so they switched to Matt Ryan, which I know you feel maybe isn't a downgrade, but isn't much of an upgrade, but I legitimately like the switch. I don't particularly love it, honestly. I don't think... Now, I'm, I could see that there are reasons why you would want to get away from Carson Wentz. He was a little bit unpredictable for you know a lot of the times, and we'll say a little bit. That'll be a little bit of a generous title, honestly. And he was yes. a bit of a walking injury, so I understand why there are reasons you want to get away from him. But at the end of the day, I don't think that his stats really justified him being traded off, especially for Matt Ryan, because I don't think that Matt Ryan is going to be any decent anytime soon. I mean... Carson Wentz, 3,500 yards, 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, 94.6 passer rating. Now, is that going to win you an MVP? Is that going to win you a Super Bowl? Is that going to be lights out play? No, I don't think it's going to be any of those things. But I also don't think that Matt Ryan is going to do anything beyond that either. I think, if anything, he's shooting maybe low 20 touchdowns, mm, low... I don't think he's going to get to 15 interceptions, but maybe 10-11. I don't think he's going to be anything better than Carson Wentz was. He might be worse. Well, where I disagree with you is that so the the Colts, in my opinion, have a probably dramatically better offensive line than the Falcons did. The Falcons ranked 26. Now, the Colts were 20th. I know that's not great, but I, I trust the Colts to be fairly good. And I, I believe they're a little... Then the Colts also have an actual supporting run game. They were the seventh best... Uh, pass block a uh, run block win rate team in the NFL. So they have a stronger run game than the Falcons. The Falcons were one of the worst by pass block win rate. They were 29th and they of course they were 26 in pass block win rates. So they did not have a good offensive line. I don't I don't really care who you are. Most quarterbacks, if not all quarterbacks are going to play not to their maximum potential behind an offensive line that bad. And the Colts, you know, are able to support on the ground because of Jonathan Taylor and his outstanding season that I maybe don't expect him to put up the same numbers, but I expect him to put up great numbers. Um, so they'll be fine there. I do think there's a know the, the Falcons had Kyle Pitts last year, but Pitts underperformed expectations as first-year tight ends are typically want to do. And they they had, you know, they didn't have Julio Jones. They had Calvin Ridley. You know, that was a huge problem because I believe he was injured for a good chunk of the season. And, and you know, not that it matters to Matt right now, but he'll be suspended. And Cordero Patterson was really the only the only thing that the Falcons had going for them on offense just because of how unique he was as a flex player. So I think the Colts are just such an upgrade. I, you know, I know we said that maybe they don't have the greatest wide receiver core in the world, but we do like it more than the average person does. So I think that Matt Ryan is in an environment where he can play to his full potential, even if he is a little bit older than he was when he won his MVP. And to be clear, not saying he's going to win an MVP, but I think he can play better than Carson Wentz did last year. Where Carson Wentz cost you games, actively cost you games, and you won around Carson Wentz, I think that Matt Ryan is going to help the Falcons, I mean, the, the Colts win. I don't know. I think that Matt Ryan definitely, like, 
the Colts definitely have a better team and a better supporting cast for a quarterback than the Falcons did. Like we talked about, we kind of, uh, oddly enough, off the show, convinced ourselves that the Colts have a pretty decent wide receiver room, actually. Uh, Pittman is obviously their real star that they have, but they also have a ton of other guys that could really make big jumps and have shown promising signs. It's just none of them have. Paris Campbell really hasn't had an appropriate time to prove He's himself. Injured. Kiki Cutie. Yeah, Kiki Cutie looks promising as a solid uh, wide receiver, too, maybe, for the Texans. Uh, he didn't really have a chance to prove himself last year. Uh, we have, let's see, who else do they have? Mo Cox. Cox. And, yep, he's shown potential, but, again, hasn't really had a whole lot of opportunity to prove himself. Alec Pierce, who they just drafted, he could kind of do anything. So this is really a young wide receiver room that's bursting with potential. That's never a bad thing to have even if none of them have really proven themselves yet. So I do think that you know, if all of these guys decide to pop off and become really, really good at the right time, then, yeah, Matt Ryan could actually be really, really good. I just don't think that Carson Wentz couldn't have also been just as good if these guys were decided to do the same thing. I still think that Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan is, at best, a lateral move for the Colts. I don't feel like it was a lateral move just because... I feel like the, the the greatest way that the Colts could have gotten the signal that, oh my god, you need to get him out of here, he is going to kill your franchise, was simply just needed to beat Jacksonville. Literally, by definition, they had the first overall pick this year. Literally, the worst team in the NFL, you need to beat them on the road to make the playoffs. Oh no, Carson is throwing three interceptions same game and it's the first time he's thrown a road interception except for the couple he threw against the 49ers which were uh you know i believe waved off or deemed not interceptions i think there was like a, maybe a shovel pass that was deemed more like a fumble but i digress i'm i'm you know going off on a tangent the point is the colts got the perfect symbol you win with this guy you're not going to win with this, this guy stop trying to win with this guy and they immediately realized their mistake and tried to move on from it i, I don't I don't know. I don't think that it's super fair to go, yes, Carson Wentz was terrible in the Jags game and that very last game. I think, you know, that's that's the reason that he needs to be traded. Sure, he wasn't very good in that game, but he had a ton of other games where he was actually pretty decent. If you look at his game logs, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games last year where he had a passer rating of over 100. But That's who are those against? You're going to a lot of other quarterback rooms. Well, hold on. Let's see. Because that's the question Seattle. then. All right. So we'll go Seattle was one. That's a bad Miami team. Miami was one. That was when Miami, Miami was bad. Okay. Baltimore. That was that was a freak game that he ended up costing them in the end because Baltimore mounted an insane comeback. Yeah, but that, that, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about who won or who lost. We're talking about if Carson Wentz did well or not. Yeah, but I can tell you the box score is going to tell you he did good, but in the end of the game, he was absolutely useless. Sure. Houston? Bad team. Bad team. San Francisco? That was Okay, so that was a weird game where there was a lot of snow. Did, did, did the Colts win that game, Tony? The Colts won 30-18. Yeah, that's right. Okay, because it was the weird game where it was snowing and everyone made the joke, well, the Colts traveled all this way to uh, to play it in, in a snowing California. Yeah. Okay, I'll give him that one. I don't remember thinking he was particularly great in that game, just he made he made it enough to win. 
Yeah, Houston, again, bad team. Bad. And then the last one was Arizona. Which we don't, I don't think was great defensively. And that was, a, that was really a Jonathan Taylor game. I mean, Jonathan Taylor gave Renati still put up 225 and two touchdowns. So, you know, obviously the, the, the kind of like sign of a good game for quarterback yardage-wise is 300. But if you're above 200, it's, it's usually not too bad. And then two touchdowns, zero interceptions, like, that's not bad. Like, none of these games are particularly bad. He didn't really cost them a whole lot and a whole lot of games. No, but 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 my problem is is that if you look at the, you know, if we did the strength of schedule of those teams, it would be atrocious. He arguably had two wins uh, or two games of those men- that you mentioned against teams that finished 500. Three, no, three of those opponents um, finished above 500 or at 500, I think, if not only just two. And he lost all but but two of those games uh, against the good team. So, you know, he, he may have had a lot of good performances, but they were in totality against very bad teams. True, but if you look at, you know, the bar that I kind of just set was 100 or better passer rating. But if you look at his other games that are kind of like, you know, just a tier below that, and these are all, I think every single one of them is actually some form of 86 passer rating. Yeah, 86.3, 86.7, and 86 flat. He threw that passer rating, which, you know, not great, but also fairly decent against an elite defense. Those games were against the Rams, Buffalo, okay. and the Bucks. So that I mean, those are not bad stats. What was the record the in those three defense. games? What's the record? Uh, let's see. I hate they doing the record. 27-4 against the Rams, so three-point game. That's kind of a swing, if you really want to call it that. Yeah, they that's fair. absolutely demolished Buffalo 41 to 15 and then okay. they lost to the Bucks 38 to 31 so a one score game so I mean they really that didn't I... do bad in the game they won one by a but if large I... margin and lost the other two by one score but if I remember that hold on Tom we're losing you oh no am I okay, back there you are. cleared up All right. okay yep you're back uh, this is a live show, ladies and gentlemen. Just, just please keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> so that Buffalo game was, I, I feel like he's in the 1% of results. And so not to, not to take it away from him, I just, I said, you at the games where Carson Wentz plays to, plays to the quality that you need to play to win against large bad teams. And then he loses. He lost close games, and the one game he had against a good defense by like a VOA percentage was just a kind of wacky game that you really can't rely on. So I feel like that is, you know, maybe maybe me saying it's Jacksonville. Let's see. Okay, how about this? It's 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 Jacksonville was driving back to your house on fire, but a lot of those games that you've mentioned, the, the close losses or the win, the only time he's good are against on average bad teams is like, oh my god, there's smoke in the air. Huh, a fire truck just whipped past us. And you you drive to your house and it's on fire. That's throwing three interceptions in a must-win game against Jacksonville. I mean, at the end of the day, he didn't throw three interceptions, though. In that last game against Jacksonville, How many did he throw? He threw one. Just one? Just did I one. Think he, did he, he throw three in another game? Uh, no. He never threw three interceptions in a game. His his most was two. He had seven in the but year. Do you, 
do you remember watching him in that game though, Tony? I don't know if you were watching that one live. It, he didn't do particularly well. He had a below sixty percent completion percentage. He only had he was visibly. Yards. I know we don't maybe love the eye test because it can be so subjective, but he was visibly atrocious in that game. He definitely wasn't great. In fairness, he also took six sacks in that game. Now you know part of that is probably on the quarterback, sure. But at the same time, his O line was really not helping him out. So. Well, I mean that's he that's a great help, indicator of that. Didn't absolutely get annihilated on the in at least on the but that's a score. But that's a great indicator. I wrote a, a column during the middle of the season. What can the Colts? You know, do, do the Colts have a problem? Because I think they were floating about five hundred at the time. And part of my analysis was that Carson Wentz just he plays hero ball, like he's holding on to the ball too long. You know, that's not original, or it's like not a. You know, it's not like the most insightful opinion on Carson Wentz, but he holds onto the ball too long and gets sacked because he's looking to make the hero play. That's why he took six sacks, and it's why he played so terribly in that game. I definitely think that there is something to that. He, he could play better. I'm not saying he's a great quarterback. This is the only time you're probably ever going to get me to fight for Carson Wentz, but at the same time... I really don't think that it's all that fair to kill him that much because, sure, he does play some hero ball. I do think that he holds onto it for a little bit too long. But if we want to look at sacks, he didn't take that many. The Jacksonville – he well, okay. He didn't take a whole tremendous a lot strictly because he was holding the ball. He took a little bit. Indianapolis Colts, according to lineups, will throw the Colts in this. The Colts' O-line only allowed 32 total sacks. Now, yes, the O-line is going to be pretty good because obviously, you know, Jonathan Taylor is going to run all over the earth. Yes, he's great, but that's not solely because he's great. He needs an O-line to do that. They just kind of didn't do well in this game for some reason. And this game is clearly an outlier. Tom, I know you love to, you know, when you do when you look at the stats and everything, there are clearly outlier games that we both agree for anything can be thrown out. He took six sacks in that game against Jacksonville. That that obviously contributed to the loss. Some of that was on him 100%. But other than that, if you were to throw that out, his highest sack game was three. I just I just don't kind of like think... A... Look, they were playing the 28th lineups ranked defense the Colts were in that last game, and they mustered 11 points. Yeah, absolutely. I it's, do it's think a, that, a, that definitely... A, it's a must... It's a must-win game, game for your season, game for your playoffs, games for your hope, games to prove that this was the right choice, and you put up 11 points with one of the best running backs in the league on your team against one of the worst defenses in the league. Like, you can't do that and expect to have your job. Yes, but that's not really on Carson Wentz so much. Sure, I think it it is. is. Like, if nobody's talking about Carson Wentz as the best quarterback in the league, Everybody's talking about Jonathan Taylor as being the best running back in the league. So why are we th- why are we not firing Jonathan Taylor? You can fire Jonathan Taylor, but Jonathan Taylor didn't take six sacks and have a crappy completion percentage. I mean, true that it. What 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 are the stats that Jonathan Taylor had in that game? I'm not looking at them right now. I'm just saying I'm seeing a trend that I think the the people in Indianapolis saw where. We lost against, you know, your best stats were put up against in either outlier games, see Buffalo, or against bad teams, and we lost in, in close possession games. 
And you know what? I did a disservice. He did. He. I, I do think that the, the Miami game is an outlier, but I will give it to him because that is just overall, that was one of the better ranked defenses. But my point is, and we probably need to move on. I feel like we, we've spent too much time of our budgeted time talking about Carson Lentz. Um, but the, the overlying point is at the worst, the Carson Wentz trade was a, uh, was a at worst, just same, same quarterback essentially, or, you know, on the upside, it was at least a better move. Yeah. Well, it'll only, you know, time will tell. We'll have to see when Matt Ryan comes in, uh, and just see how his stats go. Cause this is somewhat fairly sort of the same ish team on offense. So we can kind of get a pretty decent comparison if everybody stays healthy, of course, uh, as to who's going, who did what and who's going to be better. Uh, all I'm saying is that when Matt Ryan gets to seven interceptions by week five, I'm going to text you about it. I seriously doubt that that's going to happen by week five, but I digress. So we're going to kind of zoom past the the Colts defensively, not just zoom past it, but they did have some good additions. Um, so they added Stephon Gilmore and Yannick Ngakwe, two pieces that I really, really liked. Um, and then they added Rodney McLeod. I really, really liked that. And then they added Nick Cross, who was a safety in the third round. So I like him. He's currently projected to start. And, of course, they have DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard. So two two great defensive pieces. Now, granted, they did just lose uh, Kahari Willis, who I believe like he retired within the past 24 hours. He's just 26, but it was to pursue a religious lifestyle. Um, I believe he wanted to be a, a priest or pastor, depending on your denomination and his denomination. So I think largely the defense has arguably improved and can be easily a top five unit or at worst a top 10 unit. Does that sound yeah, pretty I fair? Still think, I think the Colts are still going to be very solid. I don't have any really doubts about them. The only doubts I really had was about the offense. But I do think that mm. no matter what, even if Matt Ryan does great or not so great, I do think this team's going to win the division. And at worst, their defense will carry them through it. Yeah, I think that I think that they should be a good team that should win this division. Maybe not the best team in the AFC, but a good team. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it'll be it'll be fun to see because what'll be what would be a good debate, uh, Tony, would be better team, Colts or Denver. That'll be a fun segment we'll have to do at some point in the future. Okay, let's go to the schedule because, like I said, we blew too much time on Carson Wentz. <laughs> um, okay, at Houston in Week One. That's going to be a win. At Jacksonville. Win. Home to Kansas City. Loss. Uh, week four, they play Tennessee, which we've already given them the win at Denver in week five. I'm going to say win, but I could understand tag if you wanted to do that. I already put there tag, yes. Um, <laughs> home to Jacksonville is a win, I'm assuming. And, yep. At Tennessee, we, uh, we Tennessee, put that as a tag. We, yeah, we'll keep it then. Okay, and then Washington. Oh, I can't wait for uh, that game. If we have the tech, we got to have the Colts beating them. Yeah, we do indeed. And then we have them in week nine tagged against New England, and then in week 10 they play Las Vegas. Once again, Las Vegas. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually toss this one back to you because I'm so bad with Vegas. Do what you want. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to put a tag. I don't feel great about that. Philadelphia. Great. Well, I really wish you hadn't just used that tag. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give Philadelphia the win. I I can agree with that. Let's give Philly the win. Let's do a little hot take since we ran out of tags so quickly. Uh, home to Pittsburgh should be a win. Win. At Dallas? Loss. 
Interesting. Okay. I don't hate it. I, I think since we're out of tax, we probably have to put it as loss at Minnesota. Do we really spice things up and say loss again? I think so. I think we could say loss. It's our show. We can do whatever. I think we I like Minnesota. I, I'm going to say loss. We're going to give them three straight losses because they're going to lose the Chargers. Oh, yes, they are. I have my and then, on. Right? Okay. Ah, nice. Yeah, I do too. Theater of the mind for you. Okay, so then the New York Giants, I'm assuming we're giving that a win and it'll close against Houston, which yeah. should also be a win, yes? Correct. Okay, so that is is obviously for tags. So for those of you who don't remember, I don't know if I explained tags earlier or not, but a tag is when Tony and I take a look at two teams and we either just, they're so close and we've done our analysis and we can't make a distinction or in the case of the Raiders, they're the Raiders or we haven't researched the team properly enough to make a good estimate on them. And we just, we put the tag in as a placeholder and give each team for the record count half of a win. So that puts them at eight wins, four tags and that's five losses. So does that feel does that feel kind of right, Tony? Ten and seven. Yeah, ten and seven. Yeah, that that feels that feels pretty good. Yeah. So I know we we're a little under on, of course, the Titans, but I do feel pretty good about ten and seven for the Colts. That feels like a it's it's symbolic because that's one win better than they were last season, and that one win would have made them um, in the playoffs, and that one win is why they got Matt Ryan over Carson Wentz. There you go. <laughs> okay, so I, I guess I win. Um, okay, te- let's move on to the Texans. We got to do this pretty quickly. Okay, so fast facts time. So their draft grade was a B. Their positional needs were cornerback, running back, and defensive end. Did they address it? We'll get to that in a second. Their pow- their uh, Pro Football Index or Power Football Index, excuse me, rank is thirtieth, and their strength of schedule is nineteenth. They have nine point one nine million in cap space, and they have nearly. 52 million in dead cap. I wonder who caused that. We'll get to it in a second. Uh, and then their cap health with the dead hit because it's because their dead cap hit is the biggest number uh, or roster number. I included it in the cap health, and that cap health puts them at 39% in counting it, 16% without it though. So depending on your uh, how you want to do the numbers there, it could be either very unhealthy or incredibly healthy. Their lineups rankings were 32nd offensively and 27th defensively. Their total DVOA was negative 24%. That's 28th. They missed the playoffs very obviously. They had one of the top three picks in the draft. Uh, their Zelo rank is currently 23rd. They're projected to go 7.8, 9.8. And good Lord, is that incredibly high? Their head coach is Lovey Smith in his first year. Um, they and they do not have a defensive coordinator listed currently, and their offensive coordinator is in his first year. So those are the fast facts, Tony. I don't think that this team is going to. They, look, they did the right thing this season. They got rid of Deshaun Watson. They got three first round picks, a third rounder, and two fourths. Um, and they, they were able to use that capital to improve the team now and get rid of a problem quarterback who now is with the Browns, and I have no idea what's going to happen there. I legitimately think that was the best move. They made the they made chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what. Do you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that's kind of their big, their, big, their big move was obviously getting rid of Deshaun Watson. They got a ton of draft capital and what is looking like a literal steal. Um, it's looking more and more like Deshaun may actually not play another snap in the NFL with the way things are moving. Uh, it's definitely not going well for him. And it's going to kind of bode the question of if he is actually suspended or to the point where he cannot play another snap in, in the league, is there going to be some kind of retribution to Cleveland who essentially just got, who just essentially just gave away a whole lot of draft capital, but that's a different story for a different day. It just might be yeah. interesting to follow. 
We are now moving into the Davis Mills era, who I still believe is better than Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the issue, however, is going to be the rest of the team. They really don't have anybody super notable on offense. They have Marlon Mack, uh, who they acquired from the Saints, or not the Saints, the Colts, who may be decent for them like he was with the Colts, and Brandon Cooks, who has been solid with Houston so far. I don't think either is going to be overly dominant by themselves. It's not like, a, you know, Brandon Cooks is no, like, Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins who can kind of carry an offense on their own back without much help around them. Uh, as for the defense, the way I look at it is te- the Texans bought a lot of $2 scratchers from the gas station. They're pretty cheap guys who could be something. Likely not going to, you know, be much if they do be anything. Hit. Luckily, they can't. Yeah, it, they're probably not going to be anything. If they do hit, they're probably not going to be a whole lot. Luckily, they cannot get much worse than they were last season. They were 26 overall last season by lineup. I do think that they will be better than the Jaguars this year. But I mean, you think <laughs> either, either, if the Jaguars are better, I'm not going to be super surprised. Mostly because either way, it doesn't really matter. They're going to be third or fourth. It's just a matter of who's what. We are going to fight. I'm going to – no, what's going to happen is we're going to be doing the show, and we are literally going to have a fight over the Jacksonville Jaguars because I, I, I have very different analysis than that. Um, but so similarly, yeah, offensively, the Texans, they don't have a lot. They have Davis Mills, and like, look, I love the Davis Mills story. I hope he does so much better than than he was projected to. I think he was, he was a third-round draft choice, right, Tony? Yep. He did better than Trevor Lawrence. I want that to continue. It would just be endless comedy that nobody knows anything and everybody thinks they know everything. And we know so little about this thing about the draft where we spend days and years ahead of time analyzing everything. And the the king of locks, the all-time guarantee, is outdone by the guy with a long neck from Stanford that nobody heard of until week three when he played against the Panthers in primetime. I want that to be true because it would just be a true summary of why people hate the draft sometimes. Um, that would mean that I am the draft specialist of all time. I think it does. I think it means that like that's a legitimate bona fide you get to pin to yourself is that you had you had Lawrence busting. Take it. Yeah, it is. So you're gonna be you're, you're gonna be rooting against Lawrence for like the rest of his career. He's gonna be going to his third Super Bowl or something. You're gonna be like, he's still a bust. He's being carried. It's his defense. Yep, he's the Tom Brady of this era. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know about that. That's a lot. Um, but yeah, overall, the rest of the cast is not very good. So the Texans' highest-rated wide receiver by by just their projections is 71st, and it's a rookie. Yikes. And then with running back, their best, uh, they, they don't have a, a running back until 45th, and it's Marlon Mack, and then their rookie, Damian Pierce, at 46th. They do have some talent at the tight end position in Brevin Jordan. I liked him. He had a very quiet but productive year as a rookie. I think he only played half the games but had great output for those games he was in. Um, But the Texans had a horrible offensive line, and their only addition in the draft uh, was Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M, which was good. He's probably going to be – he will be a starter and should be good. Uh, But then they only added another offensive player in the sixth round on the line. So I don't think that unit is going to take a huge step forward, which is important. Um, And then via free agency, I think it makes sense. I believe Levy Smith came up through the defensive side of the ball. I could be wrong on that one, though. Um, But they they added a lot of people on the defensive side of the ball. They lost Terrence Mitchell to the Pats. I liked him as a cheap value piece and Justin Reed to the Chiefs. My, uh, he's not a cheap value piece. He's a very expensive value piece, which is probably why he, the Texans didn't want to pay for him is that they probably couldn't have paid for him and fielded a very good roster. Um, and the Chiefs probably did a little bit of an overpay. We'll maybe revisit that when we go to the AFC West. Uh, but they did add some decent pieces. So they have Fabian Moreau and Steven Nelson. They're not 
household names, but they're experienced veterans who played a lot of minutes on good teams, and they're going to help bolster the Texans' secondary on team-friendly deals. Rashawn Green was an edge rusher who's going to fill the hole left by Jacob Martin, who signed with the Jets on a very comparable contract to what Jacob Martin played. I believe he got a huge contract upgrade when he moved to the Jets. And then rounding out the thrifty signings is Jalen Reeves Mabin, who was a Lions linebacker who got the Texans on another cheap value deal. So like Tony said, like a lot of a lot of cheap deals that probably earn what you amount to a lot. But I think that it was the right move considering how unhealthy the cap is when you factor in the dead hit. If you have 40% of your cap missing because of the top three salary players and your dead hit, which is $52 million, you don't have a lot to work with. And so I think that the, the cheap moves that are short-term cheap contracts are the right moves because it's not tying them down for the future. I do like their draft picks. So they had Jalen uh, Petrie, a safety out of Baylor, and Christian Harris, an inside linebacker. Thomas Booker, a defensive tackle from Stanford. I think those Texans picks are going to help the Texans sooner rather than later. I think, you know, you can expect uh, Petrie and Harris, I think, to start even. Um, so I think they've improved, and I think that the Texans are moving in the right direction. That You know, the biggest stone, stepping stone this season and the best offseason move was to trade Deshaun Watson, and so they got that done, and I think they can actually finally start a rebuild in earnest. Um, but I, I think they've improved, but it's not going to be a dramatic improvement. It'll maybe be a win or two, and then they'll still be, you know, like bottom five team in the league, unfortunately. Yeah, they definitely don't have a whole lot going for them. There's really not a whole lot more to say on them, honestly. No, I mean, like, look, it's moving in the right direction, but it's not enough. Like, it's just because of because of the bad position they were left in. Like, Bill O'Brien legitimately yeah, we'll five oops, years from now, but until until then, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot that they can really do just because they're so they're so hindered right now by the the remains of the Deshaun Watson. Thing. Yeah, and and the Bill O'Brien era. The, the Bill O'Brien era really did set the Texans back like five years. Yeah, that'll do it too. Uh, but okay, but my what I was saying is is as much as you want to blame Deshaun Watson for this, don't forget to blame Bill O'Brien when you trade away DeAndre Hopkins for like a running back and a second round pick. You probably set your franchise back a little bit. Yeah, definitely not ideal. All right, so let's let's do the record breakdown, and then we can get on to the jag the Jaguars, where we will likely spend an hour because we just want to over talk everything because there's because it's football and it's interesting, and it's fascinating. Um, okay, week one, the Texans we already have them losing uh, to the Colts, and then week two, I'm assuming we're going to say they'll lose to Denver. Uh, yes. So now the interesting where they get into an interesting game is their first interesting game is week three against Chicago. They're on now. Granted, they're on the road at Chicago, but this is probably their first winnable game, I feel like, on the schedule. I think I would actually be okay with saying that this is a win. Okay, yeah, I'll do it too. I don't think we're going to want to tag it. Um, maybe we'll come back and, and change our mind. Let's go to the Chargers, which I'm, <laughs> is a loss. <laughs> yeah, this has to be a loss. Okay, now the interesting one will be at Jacksonville. So I, we haven't talked about them yet, but you know we will. I'm going to comfortable saying they'll split with Jacksonville. I agree. I think they can split with Jacksonville. So we'll put an on the road Jacksonville game as a loss, and then <laughs> at the at the Raiders, this feels like a game the Raiders lose, and it's like the start of of the what the heck is going on with the NFL? Yep, I would be comfortable. I would be completely. I want to do it, Tony. Saying- I want to do it. I'm. Yeah. I'm- I'm going to tag it. I'm going to tag it. I don't want to put it as a loss, but I think that that is, that's a tag that I'm like, 
squinting really close to see if it's a loss or uh, a loss for the Raiders. Um, we had them losing to to the Titans, and then they play Philadelphia. That's a loss. I kind of figured as much. Uh, all right, next is the Giants, which is another one of those bad teams that should be a, a kind of winnable game, I feel like. Do we want to put it as a tag? Um, I think I'd be okay with putting it as a win, honestly. They feel very Chicago-esque, wow. honestly. Yeah, no, they do. That would have been... Uh, uh, that that's a that'll be an interesting choice that we'll probably have to revisit later. Washington, I'm assuming, is a loss. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland. Oh, well, the NFL schedules so many good games. <laughs> Definitely a loss. At Dallas. Loss. Kansas City. Loss. We already have them losing to Tennessee. And See, I believe they played Jacksonville, so we have them winning this one because we had Jacksonville splitting. This is their home game, so you you win your home split. Yep. And then that means they shot the season by losing to the Colts. Correct. So All right, so we gave, them, we, we gave them three wins and a tag. Three wins and a tag, okay. So that puts them at 13 losses. Which I don't hate. So we have them at 4 and 13 approximately. Not terrible. I mean, that is improvement, I think. That, that Hey, you're going up. It's just like we said. They're going to continue to get slightly better. It's just not going to amount to much for a couple years, at least. Yeah. And they have to heal so much from that dead cap hold. I mean, like, let's be real. You're punting on the season. Correct. All right, so let's move over to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who basically sort of punted on last season. Why do I say that? Not because they actually tried to punt, but because... Urban Meyer was an absolute flaming disaster. Who could have predicted that? Oh, did, wait. Did Oh, yeah, we did. That's right. Um, just a little self-pat there. I might break my arm from that self-pat. It was a little aggressive. Um, but they punted on the season because they just they literally did not improve, I think, in any measurable way. Trevor Lawrence, as Tony is, is gleefully dancing upon his rookie grave, is it looks like he's trending towards bust. They they lost their coach in absolute scandal. They fired him and they brought in Doug Peterson. Let's do the fast facts really quick. Okay, draft grade was a B minus. They needed offensive line, defensive line, and defensive backs. Although let's be real, they probably could have drafted anything and it would have been an improvement. Bar maybe running back. Their uh, their. Uh, their PFI rank is 28th. Their strength of schedule is 26th. They have $7.5 million in cap space, but a dead cap hit of $23 million. Their cap health is 27% ca- counting the dead hit, but 24% without. Their lineups rankings last year were 19th offensively and 28th defensively. It makes sense why they went so defense heavy in the draft. Their total DVOA was dead last at negative 31%, which is just incredibly atrocious. They missed the playoffs very obviously because they ended up with the first pick in the the NFL draft. Their current Zelo rank is 26, and they're projected for a very high 7.7 and 9.3. Head coach Doug Peterson, it's his first year, and joining him in their first year on Jacksonville is Press Taylor and Mike Caldwell, respectively. So those are the fast facts. Uh, Tony, do you want to get on to why you think they're going to be a flaming uh, trash can on wheels? I don't necessarily know how bad they're going to be, um, just because... I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to be bad. I think that that's not going to change. That's a take that I've been on for, you know, obviously this entire time, and I'm going to stick with it. The question really this year is going to be how much of the terribleness of this team was because of Urban Meyer? And I don't think that that means that there's suddenly a chance that this team is going to go to the playoffs just because he's gone. I don't think this team's going to be necessarily that good. 
But I do think that under a different coach, I wonder what this team could have been last year if they would have had a little bit more respectable professional coaching behind it. Um, This is also probably going to hopefully be the first year we see Travis Etienne. But at this point, I'm going to hold him in fairly low regards. I don't like giving any draft pick much credit simply because they're starting from zero to me. They have no credit in this league whatsoever. Travis is actually now starting from zero with an NFL injury, which to me puts him more like at negative 10. So I, I don't really have too much belief in him at the current moment. He's got a lot of proving to do in my eyes. Uh, as term, In terms of what they did in the offseason, I think they made a pretty good pickup in acquiring Evan Ingram. And I like mm-hmm. Christian Kirk, but I think that they made a horrible contract for him. They're paying him disgusting money for what he's going to do. Uh, defensively, I think this team was bottom five, according to lineups. I really don't see a whole lot of reason to be too optimistic uh, that this year is going to be a whole lot different. They added some pieces in the draft, sure. They overpaid some guys in free agency. That could you know, maybe have some impact, but nothing that I think is going to make this unit like top half of the NFL. Sure, you might get a little bit of improvement out of these guys, but kind of like the Texans, if they get better, it's going to be you know slow and steady over the next couple of years. Yeah, no, for sure. I absolutely understand what you're saying there. Um, and so for me, I the ETN thing is absolutely fascinating because I have no idea what to expect out of him because I believe he was he was a high usage back at Clemson if I if I recall correctly. I believe he played three or four years, so he should have he should be a you know he's got some mileage all already, which is partially why I think he got injured. So he's, I like having ETN now. I I was against it at the time. I wanted them to take a tackle, but I think having James Robinson and ETN is going to allow them to split the load. So they'll probably be like Cleveland bar the really good uh, offensive line um, in that they have a good dual monster threat where I think that, you know, reasonably speaking, I think that they, they can both be used I actually don't know. I mean, part of it is that James Robinson is really good. He was, I believe, a six-round pick. I almost am tempted to say maybe you try to flip him because you have ETM, but that, that that's down the road. For now, Jacksonville has a very good potential for a, a, a dual monster attack, assuming ETN stays healthy and assuming that the offensive line kind of improves. I don't know if that will be the case. Um, but moving on from that... Um, I, I thought it was funny that we both noted that Christian Kirk was so overpaid. Um, I also want to nominate Zay Jones, another wide receiver free agent who got overpaid to come to Jacksonville. What I found funny about that was because on the Levitard show, they basically are insinuating that Jacksonville is so terrible as a team right now and as a location to live <laughs> that the Jacksonville Jaguars are almost paying a tax to bring in free agents. And I kind of thought that that was an astute observation because they were both so overpaid. Yeah, there's got to be something behind that. Either that's the case or this management just really genuinely thinks that this these guys are going to be so much better than they have been, you know, historically. I mean, I think it's part of just the the small market team. You've got to persuade guys to get there and they're going to a bad team. So you probably do just have to pay them a little bit. But but neither here nor there. I do think that that was those are genuine improvements. They got uh, Evan Ingram and Ingram plus Dan Arnold. I think they're going to have a good tight end duo. My only question beyond the obvious of Lawrence, and I'll get into him in a second, is uh, is the O-line. They only added Luke Fortner via the draft, and they lost uh, a few players to the commanders. They did add Brandon Sheriff at right guard. 
I think that they can improve their pass block win rate slightly with the two younger players from the last few drafts. But overall, I mean, I'm expecting the unit to remain average and slightly below average as a run run blocking unit, which is part of my hesitation with saying that they'll have a two-headed monster in the backfield because they don't have a great run blocking unit overall. Um, so I feel nervous to say that Jacksonville's offense is going to be good because I don't feel great about Lawrence. He arguably has like a really good solid group of weapons and the only lacking area will be the line. So I would understand if he's going to perform poorly, but he has the weapons to perform above average. Um, you know, he is losing experiences, uh, excuses, I should say for his poor performance. I'm going to give him a few games, you know, to get used to the offensive system and the new teammates. Um, but I actually think the Jacksonville offense can be better than average. They were 18th by lineups last year. And so I think that there's a reason to believe that with the additions and, you know, Lawrence becoming more experienced and the new coaching staff and Doug Peterson, I think that the, the Jaguars can actually be above average offensively, which is a lot of my kind of catalyst for hope for them and why I think that they can make a larger leap than the Texans will this year. Yeah, I definitely think that, uh, this team's going to be pretty pretty rough this year. I know you're a little bit higher on them than I am. They added some pieces, but I really don't think that their receivers are going to be anything special. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, they're pretty just wide receiver, two-level guys. I don't think they're going to do anything to really beef up this team much. I don't, like, look, I don't think that any team is like, okay, Christian Kirk, wide receiver number one, or Zay Jones by himself, wide receiver number one. But I think those two, plus the two tight ends, which I kind of like, I like Ingram and, and Arnold, I think can at least kind of come together in a collection. And, you know, I would assume Etienne and, and Robinson will also be, of course, getting some receptions, though not, maybe not a monster amount. I do think uh, Etienne is going to get a lot because I think he could be a bit of a pass catching back, but but I think, you know, those players can kind of come together to be a good, not a great collection, a good collection of weapons that can enable Lawrence to at least make improvements. I don't think he had a particularly a large amount of weapons and targets. So I think that just, it's not, don't get me wrong, it's not like going from, from a, an average player to DeAndre Hopkins, but it's going from an average player to an above average player um, as, as far as those two Christian Kirk is, is include, you know, is concerned and Zay Jones are concerned. So I think it's, it's an improvement, but it's not a leap. It's a step, not a leap is, is the best way I can describe it. Yeah, I can agree with that. As for the two headed monster thing, James Robinson has been pretty good so far. I don't think he's any kind of like a monster per se. Like he's just above average, I guess. And Travis Etienne, we're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, there's been a lot of weight that's kind of been put on his name realistically we'll have to wait and see perhaps he is a monster maybe he's like jonathan taylor where he just comes out of nowhere and is absolutely awesome or maybe he doesn't really do much of anything uh, we really have no idea so i guess there is a potential for this offense to be above average to good there's also a chance that they just kind of stay where they're at or pretty close with marginal improvement i really for don't sure. think that's going to change a whole for sure and i'm not like trying to make like i remember there is the year where where the browns got a lot of offensive pieces, mainly Odell. And it was like, Browns to the Super Bowl. Browns to the Super Bowl. They've got this. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying, Jacksonville, I'm expecting a little bit of a step forward for Jacksonville offensively with, of course, the massive caveat that Trevor Lawrence isn't a bust, which I, I know Tony likes saying he's a bust. I, I like to give players three years to make an evaluation. So Lawrence is only a third of the way there. And I'm not liking what I'm seeing thus far. And he's, I, I wrote a column a few weeks, uh, well, it's not a few weeks ago, a few months ago now. Um, 
that Lawrence was trending towards bust. And I stand by that because there's not a historical precedent for for Lawrence recovering um, when you look back at, at the past couple of years of the draft, like players that are kind of comparable to his first year performance. You know, and I don't bring up Peyton Manning. That drives me nuts. Peyton Manning is a transcendent talent who just had a horrible first year because he was because he was just such a unique player. So don't bring up Peyton Manning. I hate when people bring up Peyton Manning. But there's not a precedent for Lawrence, so I do think he's trending towards a bust. But the, you know, my point is, if Lawrence can improve, I think that this offense can take a, a big step forward. I think they could take a step forward, but I, I think if they do, it's going to be more so on the backs of new coaches and new schemes than it is on the backs of new players. No, that's fair. I mean, and it's like you said, Tony, it's like how bad was Jacksonville last year because of Urban Meyer, who <laughs> allegedly didn't know who Aaron Donald was. And if that's true, it gives me so much hope about my own career in analysis. <laughs> um, and yeah. if, it's, if it's not, it still makes me laugh. Um, but anyway, okay, so yeah, I'm going to... Oh, go ahead. I certainly, I know you're you're on the train of the Jaguars could definitely be better than they were last year, and I think that that is true. If it makes you feel any better, though, Dominique Foxworthy uh, actually predicted Foxworth. that the Jaguars could be, yeah, Foxworth could be the under the radar team that could reach the Super Bowl in 2021. Oh so, my god! Yeah, so you know. It, whatever you say here, as long as you don't say that, I will respect your opinion more than I respect his. Yeah, like absolute maximum ceiling is a wild card team, and that goes beyond how I how I I don't feel comfortable saying that. I feel comfortable saying like like last last team or uh, first for me like a first out basically as far as wild card spots go. Not winning the division, um, and and most certainly not a Super Bowl team. I feel so bad for people who make television in the summer. And talk about football because it's like that's that's the take you get is like how, how can I fill three hours of television today? Oh, it's Jacksonville being a being a dark horse horse for the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's certainly uh, certainly a hot take. I thought I could share. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a hot take because it's the summer, so it's it's just a, it's a summer take. Um, okay, let's hop on over the, to the defense really quick. So the the Jags added Trevon Walker with the first overall pick, and that was a little bit of an upset as for the number one overall. And then Devin Lloyd at inside linebacker. Those were so those were in the first round. In the third round, they added Chad Muma, another inside uh, interior uh, line player. And then took a pair of quarterbacks, Gregory Jr. and Monteric Brown. So I'm not super high on the the secondary additions. I believe they were low round picks, so they're kind of essentially flyers. Um, I expect an immediate impact on the first two, and I think that you know uh, Muma is going to be a, a depth boost for the near future. And then in free agency, again they had a little bit of they had some overpays. They had uh, a few side Alukun, I believe it's pronounced. I am so sorry. I'm sure I botched that in 27 different ways. Um, but he was a slight overpay, but I think he's going to be a huge addition for the Jaguars. And then Darius Williams, a Rams cornerback a good player good addition probably a little bit of an over uh, an overpay um and then they had florunso Fat uh, fatakusi he was a an interior defensive lineman and i believe he's going to be a good value player again i seriously apologize for botching your name i swear i practiced it um uh, so a common thread with the jags and the texans is that they don't have anywhere to go but up and i think as good as jacksonville did get i kind of like some of their spending a little bit more again, even if it was an overpay. Uh, I think they're going to take a step forward, but there's no go but up. Yeah, I don't. 
I think that if they improve, it's going to be not so much on the basis that they are actually better and more on the basis of we couldn't get worse. Yeah, I mean, you say that, but they, they as long as they don't, uh, technically, the right way to do this is if they don't get the first, if they don't get the first overall pick in the draft, they technically had um, improvement. I mean, we'll see. I, I think they're they're going to be in contention for it again, whether they get better or not. For sure, but like, I guess what I'm doing when I say I expect them to improve is I'm just playing the odds, and the odds are like, come on, guys, you ha- you can't get the first pick in the draft three times in a row. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> like it's like right. That feels in a row, and here we go. Yeah, no, that feels like a meme. It's like right, right, right. You can't do that three times in a row. <laughs> oh, they um, okay. Will. Don't you? Oh, that's is that your is that your hot take of the summer? I mean, I think that I think that's my take. I don't even think it's that necessarily that hot. I think it's hot. I think that Jacksonville has to have improved, and I think now that we have worst team in the league and dark horse for the Super Bowl, I can just be my normal, typical, moderate self and stay right in the middle, away from there the Bulls. Okay, let's dive into the <laughs> schedule and get these people out of here. Thank you again for for listening through this. So, in Week One, the the Jacksonville Jaguars take on Washington on the road. How do we feel about that? Loss. Okay, I want to come back to it. I think we're gonna. I think that'll be a taggable. In week two, we have them losing to the Colts. In week three, we have them losing to the Chargers. We don't actually, but I'm assuming Correct. that's the direction. Okay. Week four, we have them yep. losing to the Eagles. Yes, we do. In week five, they beat the Texans, but in week six, they lose to the Colts. In week seven, they do they. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give them the win over the Giants. That's tough. If it, it personally, I would tag it. But if we want to have them win in it, we can do that. Yeah, that's fine. We can tag it for now. Um, okay, Denver. Loss. Yeah, no, for sure. Las Vegas. <laughs> Do we want to tag it? Yes. <laughs> yes. We have so many zags on Las Vegas, it's going to be absurd. Okay, uh, Kansas City. Loss. I didn't didn't think that was going to be a win. Uh, by week 11, how about week 12? Loss against Baltimore. Baltimore. Uh, at the Lions. Loss. All right, I'm tagging it because I don't think it's a loss. I would that obvious of a loss. Are you in a sad place where you're currently weighing Detroit and Jacksonville? That's going to be a sad football game. <laughs> I'm, I'm. I can't wait to see Dan Campbell eat the knees of every single person on the Jags. <laughs> oh Lord, yeah, that'll be that'll be a uh, that'll be a, a sight to behold. Um, okay. Oh, that might be the Thanksgiving game, actually, which would be really sad. It would be a very sad Thanksgiving game. Um, okay, so week 14, losing to Tennessee, and then in week 15, they play at Dallas, which I'm assuming we're giving a loss. And then in week 16, yep. we have them playing the Jets. Loss. Yeah, we currently have that bookmarked as a loss. I don't know how good I feel about that, though, of course. And then um, Houston and Tennessee in week 17 and 18 are both losses. So I want to go back. We only used three tags, and one of them was me making you put on a tag. So I want to go back and find a game we can tag. I think it's probably the Jets. Yeah, we can tag the Jets. Okay, how many tags? The question is, how many tags do the Jets have? Let's see one. Okay, the Jets only have three tags, so we can make that a tag. It doesn't mean we have to go back in and... And change the Jets win loss record, but I don't think it's. Let's let's be real. You can anytime you can change a win from the a win to a loss from the Jets or a win to a tag from the Jets, you probably have made the right decision. Yeah, more than likely. 
<laughs> sorry, Jets fans. Sorry for that drive-by you weren't expecting today. You were like, I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to have my fandom attack today because it, they're talking about the AFC South. How can they possibly? And they found a way to mock the Jets because the Jets deserve mocking yep. at every stage of life. <laughs> How? Where does that put them? So that means we have one win and four tags for the Jaguars. So that means we have them going three and fourteen. They're going three and fourteen. I mean, we had the Texans going three and thirteen with only one tag. So does that mean the Texans are going to be better than the Jags? And we've both agreed on it. Uh, I don't know about agree. I think from an analysis perspective, I don't think so. I think the question is. We went really aggressive with the Texans and gave them a win against Chicago and a win against the Giants straight up. Whereas if you go back in and you tag those, it would look a lot different. True. I don't know. I think it's going to be close. I think the Texans are going to be slightly better by like a game. Well, right now, the, the, the master spreadsheet has them better by half a game. So you're not far off. I'll take it. All right, but that is the conclusion. We have done it. It'll be Colts, Titans, Texans, Jags. The Jags and Texans do both take leaps, but they're kind of sm- they're more like a, a small hop, but they do improve. Yeah, that's all you can ask for if you're those teams. It really is. All right, so thank you guys for listening. This was definitely a long episode, but I think it was a good episode, and I had a lot of fun doing it. When we come back next week, we will be going over the AFC West, so make sure to tune in for that one. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, if this one was half, that one's going to be two and a half. <laughs> Probably, yeah. No, that'll. Oh, that is such a great division. I'm so excited already. <laughs> All right, thank you so, everybody for listening. Don't miss it. It's going to be a good one.